0: Well, believe it or not, we're in week number seven of this series, and we're actually coming to an end here in just a couple of weeks, and so what I'd like to do today to start us off is just give you a preview. In just a few weeks, we're going to be taking a walk through the book of First Thessalonians. Uh, it's going to be a five-week series. We'll spend each week on one of the chapters, and just wanted to give you a quick preview. Uh, just ignore the static in the speakers, and uh, turn your attention to the screens one more time for a little preview on that series. to start that series here in just a few weeks. I hope you'll invite somebody to join you. Uh, Believe it or not, that series will take us almost into the holiday season. So I know you don't want to hear anything about that right now. But as a pastor, I'm kind of thinking that direction already. So, uh, well, a few weeks ago in this series, we kind of considered together and learned together how to have a good time. Do you guys remember that week? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing Maddie. Is she in here, Maddie? Oh, they left. Did they leave? Maddie was wearing her new Journey Church knit cap. I've seen, I've seen Oscar wearing his ball cap. We gave away all kinds of things that week. Do you guys remember that? I feel like I'm getting lots of blank stares. Maybe I just dreamed all of that. Well, today, would you like to have some more fun?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Who wears a large? I can't. I saw Case's hand up first. Look at that throw. Give it up for Case. Consuela, yeah. Who wears an extra large? Here, we're, who wears a 3x? See, ask and you shall receive. Another 3x. Keep your hand up. See. I take care of you. Who wears small? There we go. There we go. Small. I feel like this side of the room is just not participating. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Another small. All right. How about a large? Get somebody over there. Carolyn got it. Carolyn got it. Nice. Large. Large. I don't know what's going on over here. They're like a whole different church or something. Medium, Medium. Oh man, lots of hands for medium. Here's another 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 medium. Here's another
1: medium.
0: Oh no! Got to have heads up when you come to church here. What are you raising your hand for? What size? Just any size. You don't care.
1: He wears extra small.
0: <laughs> extra small. <laughs> what size do you wear? Nope, Sorry. Extra large. I, I got one for you. Just hang on. Extra large. What size did he say? Large. Medium. Extra large. Medium. Extra large. Man. Ah, it's so <laughs> all extra larges, extra large, extra large, extra large, extra large, extra large. Look at this. Who likes empty boxes? Hey. There you go. Take it. Take it to him. Ah. No, no, no. Hey, whoa. But wait. There's more. Come on, Izzy. You got to come up and get this, man. Just because we all want to see the baby. Come on, come on, come on, Izzy. Uh, Mm, Corinne, got the looks of Corinne. Uh, Aww. Wide awake, isn't she? Hey, hey, hey. Now that sure won't fit her. Sorry, I don't. Yeah. Okay. All right. Congratulations, Izzy. Two, three X's. Three X. Three X. Three X. There we go. There we go. Medium. small
1: small
0: large just don't hit eve with that one again come on now large 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 go ahead jeremy you can keep the shoes You're gonna chuck them. That's a lot. I feel like we've been out 200 shirts already. About medium. Medium. Here's another one. Another medium. Keep your hands up. Extra large. Extra large. Here's another extra large. Oh, okay. What's that? Extra large. I have two extra large. Extra large. Extra large. Extra large. My
1: mom says she wants a
0: shirt. Yeah. Anybody on Facebook? Maritza. All right. Make sure she gets that. Does that work? Yeah. Okay. Extra large. Extra large. Way over here. All right. Extra large. Extra large. Extra large. No L, no L. There you go. All right. Extra large. And extra large. And extra large. Yeah, we got two boxes. That's it. Go sit down. Go sit down. Go sit uh, down. Sit down. Thank you. Now, for everybody that did not get a T-shirt, I actually have something way better for you. There are bumper stickers on the table <laughs> as you leave. I'm serious. <laughs> oh, those aren't better than T-shirts? Well, they're out there for you. You can take those too. Those are for anybody. Display them proudly. Well, let's take a look at this week's commercial to get our topic for today. A rebel took to the streets. He recruited others to join him. They roamed the hood and challenged authority. Community leaders feared them. Religious leaders abhorred them.
1: We have to get them off the streets, they said. But they weren't part of a gang spreading hate and terror. They were spreading love.
0: What do your t-shirts say? Isn't that amazing how that all works out? Well, let's look at our verse for today. It comes to us from the Gospel of Mark in chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can open there. Of course, if you have the YouVersion app, just pull up your events, and you can search for our church there. But let's look at these words and consider them carefully today. Once again, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi, he got up and he followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples... You see anything wrong with that right there? They didn't go straight to Jesus. Anybody know anybody like that? You see a problem in your area? see a problem in the relationship, but you go to everybody but the person? All right. Uh, That's a sermon for another day. Why does he eat with these tax collectors and sinners? That's where a good gasp goes. And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And maybe this is a familiar verse for you, but maybe we can glean some new wisdom from it today. I don't need to tell you that division marks our time. We are more divided than ever, and the church has not been immune to the division. We are fractured. We are fractured over things like politics, morality, identity, religious beliefs, and that's just to name a few. And these differences, this division tends to run deep in us. And it leaves trauma in its trail. Of course, there's some differences that really don't matter. Let me just poll you for a second. Which one is better, Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi. If you're if you're a order, order, order. <laughs> if you're a Coke person, raise your hand. If you're a Pepsi person, raise your hand. You're all wrong. The right answer was Dr. Pepper. (laughs) All right. Okay. Here's another one. Here's another one. Which one's better, McDonald's or Burger King? If you're a McDonald's person, raise your hand. If you're a Burger King person, raise your hand. You're all wrong. It's Chick-fil-A. <laughs> All right. How about PC versus Mac? If you're a PC person, raise your hand. All right. If you're a Mac person, raise your hand. The right answer is, what's a PC? <laughs> All right. All right. Here's another one. Which is better, college football or the NFL? Now, before you answer, just remember, JT does come back today, and so there's hope for the Colts once again. All right, if you like college football better, raise your hand, college football, unless you're a Notre Dame fan, unfortunately, we did not do so well yesterday. All right, what about NFL is better than, you're all wrong, it's basketball. (laughs) Of course we can debate, we can disagree on these lesser issues, some of us. Those Bears fans though, they don't seem to be able to disagree very well. You notice that? (laughs) But listen, hear me out. When we begin to separate from people and treat them differently because they don't see the world as we see it, we no longer represent Jesus. I'd like to say that again if I may. When we separate from people and we treat them differently simply because they don't see the world like we do, we are no longer like Jesus. And and can I just just submit for consideration right up front? This today's topic is one we really need to wrestle with. You see, sometimes in church, we come for an answer. Sometimes we come to church for direction. Today, whether you knew it or not, you came to church to receive a question. A question that maybe in the past you've been able to answer succinctly. A question perhaps that maybe you've placed in this nice, clean box and never considered that maybe the answer's not as easy and clear as you once thought. When I say this is a topic that we need to wrestle with, I mean it's a topic we need to wrestle with. I don't mean it's a topic that you need to agree with me on or that I need to agree with you on. I mean we literally need to engage in a mindset of wrestling with today's topic because it is hard in our culture today. This idea that Jesus was a rebel that Jesus went across uh, 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 against mainstream. That Jesus upset religious leaders of his day. That Jesus did things that weren't by the literal book. is hard for us to wrestle with today. Part of it is because it's history. Part of it is because we see words that we just read on the screen like tax collectors. And although we hate the IRS, we don't really connect with the hate that existed in the day of Jesus. We see generalized words like sinners, and we imagine that it was mostly the clean sinners and not really the dirty sinners that he was having a meal with. We easily find ourselves excused from what we face today because we can't translate it from yesterday. And so I submit to you today again, this topic is one we really need to wrestle with. I remember my friend Jay Majors. Do you guys know Jay? He's sitting right here on the front row. We had a business meeting last week, and he got up and he said something profound, and I'm worried that a lot of us missed it. He said, God is a mystery, and I don't need to have him all figured out in order to trust him. Those are your words, sir. sir. And you see, a topic like this that we need to wrestle with At the foundation, and I apologize, I haven't gotten into my notes yet, but at the foundation of it is where does our faith lie? Who do we trust in? Do we trust that God is really bigger than the issues we face today? Do we really believe that God has the answer even though we may not see it clearly? And it's a wrestling. It's a wrestling. It's a wrestling Last night, a group of us went to the pumpkin patch. You may have seen a picture from that. Listen to me. If you can do anything to support the Nehemiah Ranch, it's a great ministry. If you've never been there, go there. They do hay rides, uh, s'mores, bonfire, hot chocolate, hot dogs, all of it free. You can take home a pumpkin even. All of it free. I mean, you can give a donation, and I hope that you would. But the guy that owns that, the family that owns that are, are, are saints, wonderful people. And when you get on the hayride, they get up, and, and he gets up in ours. I don't know if he doesn't in all of them, but 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 he he reads some scripture and then he invites the people on the hayride to receive Jesus as Lord. Last night he read to us out of Romans about the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. And for all of us, for most of us, the flesh is winning as it relates to what we'll talk about today. There's a way that seems right to man, but leads to death. Scripture goes on and on about how we should trust God in all ways, but yet with certain categories and certain subjects in certain scenarios, we put it in this category of like, I already know, I already got it figured out, that's up, that's up. And what I want to do today is just pause, consider and literally just wrestle with the topic. Because if Jesus was a rebel, guess what that means for me and you? It means we need to be rebels too. And the question today is why did Jesus come to earth? Why did Jesus come to earth? And the simple question is is for me and you. For people he came for people. He didn't just come for some people. He came for all people, period. All people. All people. That means you. That means me. That means the homeless folks we feed every week. That means somebody on the other side of the world that we've never met. Yes. Jesus came for all of us. Yes. My God. Thank you. And Lord, help us when we put people in a category that in our minds is beyond the reach of Jesus. And the truth is, is that we all need to know the God who gets us. And that God is the God who made us and has made a way for us to know him. In this passage that we see Jesus famously ministering in, we see how Jesus responded to those regarded as sinners by religious leaders. Of course, Jesus never accepted sin. He came to die because of it. But he did accept sinners. Jesus never accepted sin, but he accepted sinners. For sinners are who he came to save. And the problem with the Pharisees was they only accepted their kind of people. I don't ever want to be a part of a church that says you got to get cleaned up before you come here. You got to get fixed up. You got to get changed. You got to align with this verse or that verse. Come. (laughs) Just come. Pharisees only accepted their kind of people, and of course, that led to this conflict that we see time and time again, especially through the Gospels. Jesus gets us. He gets us. He gets how. People create layers that treat others wrongly. He gets how we easily choose to look at others as if we are in some way superior. And yet he loves us. And he calls all of us to follow him. And so how did Jesus deal with the sinners of his day? I just want to give you three today. And so you can follow along and write these down. Here's number one. Jesus invites us into a relationship with him. Jesus invites all of us into a relationship with him. We see it clearly in Mark chapter 2 in the first few verses. As he walks along the lake, this large crowd came. He began to teach them. And then he sees Levi, who's later called Matthew. Thank you. Matthew. He writes the gospel of Matthew, this Levi, son of Alphaeus. He was literally sitting in the tax collector's booth. He was literally doing exactly what people hated him for doing. You see, tax collectors would rob people. And not only did they rob people, they specifically robbed Jewish people of the day. And guess what? Levi was a Jew. And so here we see a Jew doing the thing that Jews would never do against the Jews that hated they did. I don't know if that's a good sentence or not. And so Jesus walks up and here he stands in the tax collector's booth or reclines or sits or however that worked in his day and he sees him literally doing the very thing that anybody else along the way would have been outraged about. And instead he looks at him in the place of his sin. Oh, somebody needs to get this today. At the place of his sin and he still looks him in the eye and says, follow me. He doesn't say, quit your job. He doesn't say, get cleaned up. He doesn't say, confess your sin. He doesn't say, do all of these things first. No, he says, follow me, church. Follow me. And yet we point at him and we point at her and we point at them and we say, no, 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 I can't go to a church where they're welcome. Oh, they can't be following Jesus if they're still in their sin. Levi never repented of his sins here. That's right. He was in the middle of his sin. And yet Jesus said, follow me anyway. Why? Because my way is the way. Jesus, he went out to people. He knew people would be at the seacoast. And unsurprisingly, this crowd swarms around him. And as was his case, he began teaching them. As he was passing by, literally, as it's translated. And Jesus, we see, he constantly looks for these opportunities to do good to people. Interruptions for him were not an inconvenience. They were an opportunity every single time. And he invited people to follow him, just as he does with Levi, Matthew, who would later write the gospel bearing his name. And you see, prostitutes and tax collectors were the worst in this day. But Jesus was unfazed by his profession, unlike these Jewish religious leaders who literally loathed what he did. We've said it before. But hating people ain't going to win them to Christ. Follow me, Jesus says. And Matthew, no doubt, he had heard of Jesus. Seemingly, we could translate to say he probably wanted more out of life than just a financial gain or a life free of judgment. Jesus says, follow me. He says it a lot in the Gospels, in fact. He had already called Peter and Andrew and then James and John to follow him. And this tax collector, he followed Jesus. And in fact, if we look at Luke's version of the account, chapter 5, verse 28, I don't have it for you. But it actually says, Levi got up and left everything to follow him. Immediately, yeah. See, Jesus gets us. He came to earth to live among us to walk by the seacoast, to teach those who sought him. He invited the most unlikely to not only be his followers, but to be one of his 12 closest disciples. You see, Jesus, he, he accepted those who understand that their spiritual poverty and their need to change is more important than anything else, no matter what their past was. And if you're wrestling with my message today, welcome. Welcome. You're getting it. You're getting it. Because I wrestle with it. This radical acceptance, it was modeled, in fact, in the ministry of the young Anglican minister. You may know this name, George Whitfield. George Whitfield, he was one of the leaders of the Great Awakening. And Whitfield, he had this passion for people, yet there were these rules in place where and when he could preach. And those rules prevented him from reaching those who couldn't come into a church building. Imagine. But his burden, his burden for broken people, it trumped his concern for decorum. And he began to preach to these coal miners or colliers in the fields. And for six weeks, Whitfield, he preached at Kingswood. And with thousands gripped by the Holy Spirit, he wrote in his journal on February 17th, 1739, these words. I believe... I was never more acceptable to my master than when I was standing to preach to those hearers in the open fields. Some may censure me, but if I thus pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. And there he exposits for us the flesh pleasing man and the spirit pleasing God. Soon, of course, thousands would hear the gospel outside of churches in Great Britain and America. As preachers took the gospel to the people often overlooked by the churches, thousands were saved. You see, unable to invite people into his space, Whitfield went to them. And sometimes, sometimes radical acceptance means entering into the lives of others where they are, instead of waiting on them to come to us. Here's number two. Jesus invites people regardless of their background. Jesus invites people regardless of their background. Not on the screen, of course. We read this in Mark chapter two. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, there were many tax collectors and sinners who were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. see, Jesus, he went to Levi's house, to Matthew's house. Levi, this guy that was invited by Jesus to follow him, and now he had invited his business associates and friends to consider Jesus as well. And not only Levi, but many of this crowd now followed Jesus. And Luke, I love the way Luke's account tells us in chapter 5, verse 29, it says, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. And we see this term, great banquet, great banquet. It represented more than than just a basic meal. It It was a formal meal. It was something that Levi went to great extent to prepare. He prepared a meal for Jesus and all of his friends and associates. It's clear from this version that Matthew went all out to prepare this great feast. And in that day, in that day, this practice would mean that Jesus Publicly included both Levi and his friends in his life publicly. And guess who would find that scandalous? The religious leaders of the day. Jesus, he intentionally defied the social customs of his day. Including people will mean that we defy customs as well. Traditions. Legalisms. Political correctness. One extreme of religious behavior or another. You see, ideologies quickly lead to judgmentalism. A judgmentalism that demeans and dehumanizes people. And hinders them from hearing the good news found in Jesus. It's hard, listen to me, it's hard to reach a group for Jesus and despise them at the same time. It's hard to reach a group for Jesus and despise them at the same time. Jesus, he ate a meal with them. Jesus was unafraid to be associated with him and even call them his friends. You see, as I mentioned earlier, tax collectors just generally couldn't be trusted. They were thought of as con men who extorted, extorted money, people's money. And like I said, Levi, he was a traitor because he was a Jew. Tax collectors, they were excluded as witnesses or judges in in court because you just couldn't trust them. A Jew like Levi, he would actually be excommunicated from the synagogue. Do you see where I'm heading with this? Yet Jesus embraced him. All of us from time to time have felt left out, haven't we? Maybe it's all the way back to school and you were the one that was the last one to get picked for pickup basketball. Anybody have that experience? No, don't raise your hand, it's okay. Maybe you didn't have the clothes you needed or the resume you really needed for the job. And you see, friends, Levi, he... He actually represents all of us to some degree. We've all faced rejection. We've all faced derision of some level. We've all been there. And we all need to hear that Jesus loves and accepts us just as we are. That they were sinners is obvious, there's no question they were sinners. Mark makes it clear so that we don't miss it. Jesus couldn't have gotten us if we looked past the fact that these were all sinners. Because then we can't connect with the story. And my sin and yours is every bit as ugly as everybody else's. One commentator observed... When we think of Jesus eating a meal with sinners, we generally think of these people as perhaps tax collectors, prostitutes, and people of questionable moral character. For the Pharisees, however, sinners were anyone who did not follow their interpretation of Scripture. You know this, the rigid laws that they have on cleanliness and washing. There's verses that tell us about this. And listen, if you did not wash your hands, you were a sinner. Want to raise our hands to that one? (laughs) Who hasn't washed their hands? I'm just kidding. (laughs) I, I, I I want you to get this. I really do. So, Noel, listen up. Not in trouble. I just want you to hear this. If you didn't wash your hands, you were a sinner. Do you guys remember this? If you didn't wash your hands, you're a sinner. Prostitutes, adulterers, theft, stealing, all of the other things that we put over here. Wash your hands. You're a sinner. And listen to me. The church for centuries has put legalism in place of love. Uh, And we've replaced washing hands with all kinds of other things. I'm getting tired of it. I'm ready to be different. I'm ready to do something different. And listen to me. This isn't outside of scripture. This isn't out. What, what I'm preaching on isn't outside of, of, of what the Bible says. In, in fact, I, I think we have a scripture right here that says he was with sinners and tax collectors. And I'm not going to go back to last week. If you missed last week, good message. You should probably listen to it. But, like, but like you know, love. I love, I, love the, I love the person, but I hate the sin. Then why are you hating people so much? Why? 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 Hating the sin does not look like hating the person in, in any shape or form. Some of y'all are wrestling. I love it. That's good. That's I love it. Good. Listen, listen. This is, all in, this is all in Scripture. None of this is outside of Scripture. You don't wash your hands. You were a sinner. And yet we, we, we do the same thing. Oh, my goodness. Here's number three. Jesus invites everyone to the table. Jesus invites everyone to the table. Mark chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, I'm not going to rehearse that with you again, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? I wish I had the super hearing of Jesus Or maybe it was just the Holy Spirit prompting him. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. A Christian acting like a Pharisee a modern-day Christian acting like a modern-day Pharisee would want you to be more like them than like Jesus. A modern-day Christian Pharisee would want you to be more like them than like Jesus. Listen to me. This is where we get it wrong. This is where we get it wrong. We pick and we choose and we find and we get scripture and we back up our thing. And then we imagine somehow, well, that means I don't have to be connected with, I don't have to have dinner with, I don't have to be around, I don't have to invite, I don't have to do anything with that person because my Bible tells me that that person is a sinner. And we only label them that because that's a sin I don't struggle with. And the problem, of course, is these modern-day Christian Pharisees think that Jesus is like them, and he's not. Sometimes people outside the church label all Christians like Pharisees, and Pharisees are far too common today. But Jesus constantly rebuked and challenged the Pharisees. Friends, my invitation is let's not be Pharisees. It's really as simple as that, but it's complex too, isn't it? while the term sinner literally means to miss the mark of God's holiness, which is all of us, the implication here is that Jesus is including himself among those who didn't meet the religious, religious leader's definition of a truly pious person. Can you imagine that Jesus himself didn't meet their standard? And it makes me wonder. It really makes me curious. If Jesus was here today, would he meet our standard of a church member, of a churchgoer, of a Christian? And you notice Jesus in his day he doesn't immediately rebuke the religious leaders. Instead, he answers the question they raise, although it wasn't the answer they were expecting. It's not the healthy. It's the sick. It's not the righteous. It's the sinner's. Of course, Jesus knew that these scribes, these Pharisees, were not righteous except for in their own eyes, but his focus in this setting was on his friends at the table. His answer was to them, but he was really speaking to his friends around the table and saying, if you're sick, you're welcome here. If you're a sinner, you're welcome here. Hear me say it to the doubters. Listen, a person with a serious disease, they have to recognize that they have a problem before they'll go to the doctor. And some of us won't even go to the doctor then. Using this medical analogy, Jesus, he notes the, this very important point. A person has to understand and acknowledge that he or she is a sinner before receiving the remedy that Jesus alone brings. Can I say that again? A person has to understand and acknowledge he or she is a sinner before receiving the remedy that Jesus alone provides. And if we're sitting around waiting for all the sinners out there to realize they're sinners before we invite them here, we're doing it backwards. The tax collectors who follow Jesus may not have looked like a spiritual person in the eyes of the Pharisee. But unlike those criticizing Jesus, the men at the table, come on, somebody get this, they knew they were sinners in need of help. And that's me. That's me. I am a sinner in need of help. That's why I go to Jesus every single day. That's why I quickly confess my sins. That's why I resolve conflict as quickly as I can. That's why I do things that I do because I know that I'm a sinner that's sitting at a table with Jesus and I need him in my life. And his concern here was for those with whom he dined who had been excluded. They were well aware of their spiritual need, their spiritual sickness. Jesus, he identified with them. And he says, I came to call people just like them, just like us. And in that, friends, we rejoice. We say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for not leaving me where I was. Thank you for providing a way. Thank you for being the savior of my soul. Because we all have a desperate need for him. 1 Timothy 115, tuck this one away. It's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I'm the worst. Can I just tell you that these words will change your whole Christian life? I think that sums it up well. And Jesus, he affirms that his mission was to call sinners in this moment. Sinners to full acceptance into the kingdom of God. Therefore, of course, for Jesus to refuse to associate with these sinners, it would have been as foolish as for a doctor to not associate with the sick. And the word righteous, he uses it Probably ironically, to actually mean self-righteous. The love of Jesus for all kinds, for all kinds of sinners, his initiative to seek them out, his giving them full acceptance, his desire to have a close fellowship with them was new and revolutionary in his day and time. And the church has moved so far away from that mark It's new and revolutionary for us as well. And Mark here, he intended to convey the message that the disciples of Jesus should have the same attitude as he. And so let me just conclude with a couple of things. The good news that Jesus came with was both inclusive and exclusive. It was inclusive because we all have access to it. Drug dealer, yes, even politicians. (laughs) polite or pagan, regardless of social standing, ethnicity, or any other category somebody can put you in, the gospel is good news for all of us. But the gospel is exclusive as well. The only way to experience the life God intends for us is through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. Exclusive here doesn't mean you can't get in. That's the beauty of it. For many Christians, we've said, this is my club and you need to stay out. This kind of exclusivity is, is it's open to everybody. You just need to find out the secret word. That shouldn't be a secret. You see, Jesus loves us. He gave his life for us. He considers our sin a big deal. But because he loves us so much... His love is vaster than our sin. So vast that he can turn a despised tax collector into a writer of one of the books of the New Testament. What a path. What a path. I just want to be closer to Jesus. Much less a writer of one of the most significant books in history. So I just want to give you these three common ways people perceive the church. This is This is something that we can walk away with. Worship team, why don't you come back up? Three common ways. Some churches believe it's our mission to evade the culture. Some churches believe the mission of the church is to evade culture. The Bible, of course, teaches that believers are to be separate from the world. But that does not contradict our Lord's command to impact culture with the gospel. Churches that seek to evade culture basically do it for one of two reasons. Some evade culture out of fear. That fear that worldliness will creep into the church. Fear that the danger of the world will come along. Can I just say, as I said on Facebook the other day, listen to me, church, fear does not come from God. If you're afraid of something... It's not from God. Do you remember when we all walked through COVID and everybody was saying faith over fear, faith over fear? What happened to that? Now it's fear plus fear plus fear. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of my church doing that. I'm afraid of the pastor doing this. I'm afraid of that. Stop being afraid. God is good. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. Amen. Stop living your life in fear. Because the fear that you have will cause you to evade culture and miss out being part of the mission. Don't evade culture. The second view is to pervade the world. These are the people who want to overpower culture by might. Be it political or social or economic. These are the people that draw the line between the good guys and the bad guys. These are the people that when we hear war, we love it. We're at war. We're in the God we're in God's army. Can I just tell you it's not biblical at all. Good guys and the bad guys. The problem is is that the fundamental battle that we have is clearly listed in Ephesians 6. And it's not against anything earthly. Anything worldly. It's spiritual. It's between the forces of God and the forces of our evil one. So it's not to pervade the world. Stop it. (laughs) It's not the way. You will never win somebody to Christ... By going after them with guns and tanks. Never. The third is to invade culture. The biblical church invades the world. Yes, followers should flee from sin. We should actively promote redemptive causes. But the church is not a bomb shelter, the church is a gospel outpost. This is not where we come to hide. This is where we come to be sent. The best a church can be is to be like Jesus, everybody. And Jesus, he engaged the world. He engaged the world. He engaged the world. All through his incarnation. And friends we invade the world. Not to become like it. But so that it would become like our Lord. And so heavy words to consider today. Maybe a wrestling. (laughs) But I believe it has application. For all of us. And so. I want to invite you to sign up for the text messages. Let's take this conversation a little bit further. You can text the word rebel to the phone number you see there on the screen. And throughout this week, you'll get a series of text messages with prayer prompts, scriptures, thoughts to think about. These have been great for me every single week. 844-456-1514. Same phone number if you've done it in the past. All you have to do is pull that text thread back up, text the word rebel. Let's keep the conversation going because this is a wrestling. Stand to your feet and let's worship him together.
1: I know it's not, and I know it's not much. Bless your family. Love y'all. We'll see y'all next Sunday. Enjoy the song.